on the book of 1 John. And what I want to do just for the next few moments is to encourage you to open your Bibles if you'd like to. But I'm going to read uh, 1 John 1 through 10, which is the whole chapter to you right now. So you can listen, you can read along, you can close your eyes and have God's word being spoken over to you, over you this morning. So let me read God's word to us. 1 John chapter 1. We proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning, whom we've heard and seen. We saw him with our own eyes and touched him with our own hands. He's the word of life. This one who is life itself was revealed to us and we have seen him. And now we testify and proclaim to you that he is the one who is eternal life. He was with the Father and then he was revealed to us. We proclaim to you what we ourselves have actually seen and heard so you may have fellowship with us. Our fellowship is with the Father, with the Son Jesus. We are writing these things so you may fully share our joy. This is the message we heard from Jesus and now declare to you that God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God but go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth. But if we are living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other and the blood of Jesus, his son, has cleansed all of us. If we claim we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. If we claim we have not sinned, we're calling God a liar and showing that his word has no place in our hearts. This is the word of the Lord. Now, 1 John is a letter written by, we truly believe without a shadow of a doubt, actually, that it's written by the Apostle John. And the reason the Apostle John is writing this letter is threefold. First of all, he's pointing people back to true faith in Jesus. So anyone that's maybe drifted or anyone that's forgotten about Jesus, he's saying, hey, let's get back to Jesus and having fellowship with him. The second reason is to combat false teaching. There was some false teaching or some heresy being said about Jesus during that time, and John wanted to correct that to make sure that people understood the truth. And thirdly, to call people back into true fellowship, true fellowship with God and true fellowship with others. Now, this letter written by John is to believers, but let me tell you, it's not to perfect believers. It's to believers who are stumbling, believers who have messed up, believers who have fallen off the path, believers who want to follow Jesus, but other things tug at their hearts. And if you're not a believer here, I want to say this letter is applicable to you as well, because I think it has some life-changing truths in it that if you allow yourself to really pay attention and listen to, could change your life as well. So John, he's writing about Jesus here, and I think what he is doing is threefold. I think he's laying out the goal of the Christian life, which we'll look at in a moment. But then he quickly says, if this is the goal, it's easy to be derailed from that goal, and that's the problem. But with every problem, hopefully you find a solution to that problem. And John also tells us if we have strayed away from God, there's a solution to come back to him. So this is what John 
is talking about as the goal of following Jesus. Here's the first part of this. John says, we proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning, whom we've heard and seen. We saw him with our own eyes and touched him with our own hands. He is the word of life. How many of you have said the statement or have heard the statement, I've got to see it to believe it? The Apostle John, he is telling everybody, I've seen it and I believe it. It's a theme oftentimes in this first chapter. He repeats over and over again, I've seen him. I've experienced him. Now he's saying that for a couple of reasons. One, he's saying it to people that are spreading false teaching about Jesus. Some people were saying Jesus was a good guy, but he wasn't a guy and God together. Some people thought he was just a spirit and maybe a spiritual God, but nothing with him in the flesh. And John was combating that by saying, look, I've seen him and I've experienced him. But more than that, John is telling us this because he's trying to explain that if you really want to have the good life or a real experiential life with God, then he has seen it, he's experienced it, and he's going to tell us how to have that kind of life. And what I love about it isn't just him experiencing this kind of life, but it's also that he's been with Jesus and he writes about Jesus. You know, what I love about the scriptures, especially in the New Testament, is that they're written by people who didn't just hear things, but they experienced things. Like John was there when Jesus walked this earth. John was there when he died on the cross. John was there when he was resurrected. John was there when he ascended back to heaven. John was there when the early church exploded. John was there. And what John is telling us today is, you may not believe this thing, but you can't say it wasn't historical. You can't say that people made it up. He's saying, I was there, I've seen it, and I've experienced it. And you have to decide for yourself what he has seen and experienced. Is it real? Does it really give us the satisfaction and, the, and fulfilling the longings of our hearts that he promises that it will? Now John, he goes on to lay out, what is the goal? What is the goal of our lives? How do I attain having this kind of freedom and purpose in my life? So here's what John says about this. This one who is itself life was revealed to us and is always, we have seen him. And now we testify and proclaim to you that he is the one who is eternal life. He was with the Father, and then he was revealed to us. And we proclaim to you what we ourselves have actually seen and heard, so that you may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things so you, have, so you may have full joy. And around the fourth century or so, Augustine of Hippo was reflecting on his life. And he wrote, his basically memoir out, reflecting on his life before Jesus, reflecting on his life as a follower of Jesus. And he infamously said these words that maybe you've heard before. He says this, our hearts are restless. In other words, he's saying, until we find our purpose, until we find meaning, until we find satisfaction, until the hole in our heart is truly closed, 
We will be restless. We will not have peace. We will be always longing for something more. How true is that in our world today? In our culture, we live in a restless culture where we're told that if we have certain stuff or have a bunch of money or look a certain way or climb the ladder of success at work, if we define ourselves by the relationships that we have or the likes and the tension we get on social media, if we get what we want, then we will be happy. Then we will be satisfied. Then we will have purpose and meaning. The problem is living that way is like living on a treadmill. You're busy, really busy, going at a frantic pace, but you're going nowhere. Which leads to restlessness. Which leads to agitation. Which leads to a lack of peace. It's not just in the world, it's even in the church. How many times we try to find our worth and value and purpose and meaning and everything else but Jesus. And look at what it does to us. Sure, we may be busy. Sure, we're always doing things. But where are we truly going in this life? It's the reason why Augustine doesn't just say our hearts are restless. He gives us how they can be at peace. He says this, our hearts are restless until they find the rest in you. And what John is saying is our hearts are at rest or at peace. We have found that we have found our heart's desires completely filled in our relationship or our fellowship with God through Jesus. And we share that fellowship with other people. And, and John says at the end, we want to share with you this great joy that we have. A joy that can't be taken away by any kinds of life circumstances. Whether life is good or if life is bad, it doesn't take away the joy that we have because of Jesus. And John is saying, if you want to be happy, if you want purpose, if you want meaning, the goal is having that relationship with Jesus and having that relationship with others who have the same thing. And when we have that, we are now called to go tell other people about that kind of relationship that can only be found in Christ. Now that would be great if every day we woke up and said, yes, amen, that's my goal, that's my mission, this is what I want to do. But if you're like me, there seems to be a barrier that gets in the way. It doesn't change our intentions. We always want to be following Jesus and helping others know Jesus. But there are so many things that get in the way, and John's aware of this. This is the problem that he addresses in verses 5 and 6, and then he'll repeat in 8 and 10. There's something that gets in the way. Here's the problem, John says. This is the message we heard from Jesus and now declare to you. That God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth. Here's what John is saying. If you claim to have a relationship with Jesus, but you're also living for something else, or doing something else on a consistent basis, you're finding yourself in this, what he calls, spiritual darkness. You're saying you love Jesus and you're living this way. You are not practicing the truth. Because it's not both and. 
It's not I want some Jesus and I want something else here. It's either all Jesus or something's wrong. And that's the problem. We want some of Jesus. We just don't want all of Jesus. And that we settle to live in this spiritual darkness. Or we live in an impure way that affects our relationship with God. If you're here today, you're like, man, I'm reading the Bible, I'm praying, I'm going to church, and I'm hanging out with believers, but I just don't feel close to God. What is wrong with him? Maybe God's saying this morning, what's wrong with you? Now, you may be here and saying, man, I am not perfect. Is John, or is, is John saying here that ha- we have to be living perfectly to have fellowship with God? And the answer is no. It's not perfection, but how often we use that as an excuse to live in spiritual darkness. How many times have we said, well, I'm not perfect, as if we wear that as a badge of honor to go on living the way that we're not supposed to. John's saying that if you're in that, if you're in that predicament right now, you need to question some things about your spiritual journey. You need to get back to God because not, it's going to take you down a really bad path. You know, oftentimes we go down that path and we don't even recognize it. It's very subtle. So what I want to do for the next few moments, I want to give you three diagnostic examples or signs that you may not be living in the light or having fellowship with Jesus consistently. So here are these three things. First of all, we're hiding things from the ones we love. If you have your phone and you're scrolling, or messaging someone that you're not supposed to, or looking at something you're not supposed to, and someone comes around and wants to see your phone, or picks up your phone and starts to scroll through, and you want to yank it from them, probably something's wrong. Like at my house, my phone goes on the counter, my wife can look at anything she wants. And I get frustrated when she does, because I'm like, what are you looking at? But I'm not hiding. If we have to keep this with us all the time, could be a sign that we're living in spiritual darkness. Or maybe we're not completely honest with others about our life and our struggles. It's really easy to get by in life when someone asks you, how are you doing? And you say, fine, good. I love when people ask me how I'm doing and I say I'm good and they don't press any further because I got away with it. But if someone starts to say, are you really good? Then I'm stuck. The third thing is we're habitually doing something that we know is not right. There's sins of omission, which means there's things that we do, we don't even know we're doing them. And there's sins of commission that says we know we're doing it even though it's wrong. Let me give you an example. John is not saying here, once in a while we're going to get angry. Some of us get angry by being passive-aggressive and being cold towards others. And others of us get angry and the whole world knows you got angry. Your whole neighborhood does. That's going to happen from time to time because we're human. But if you're constantly angry and taking it out on the people that you love, either in your home or your closest friends or your coworkers, you're not truly living in the light You may claim to love God, but if you're habitually angry and taking out other people, there's some spiritual darkness that's come into your life, whether you recognize it or not. 
Or sometimes we'll find ourselves with others, and you know how this person says something about this person, then you say something, you're like, oh, I shouldn't have said that, but I wanted to be cool or accepted, and that's going to happen once in a while. I'm not telling you you should do it, but it's going to happen. However, some of us are the lead gossipers and the lead slanderers in our group of fa- friends or family or coworkers. Like if someone were to, if I were to go into your workplace and say, who is the gossip queen or king, they would point you out right away. That's not a good thing. John's saying you can't claim to be following Jesus and having fellowship with Jesus and going on and living this way. You can't have both. So then that leads to a predicament. What do we do about that? Because if we're honest, all of us are going to find ourselves in that place. Do we just say we're not perfect and we excuse it? Do we keep hiding and living in shame and hoping people don't find out? Do we keep grabbing our phones so we don't get found out what may be on here? What do we do? And John says, look, the goal is following Jesus. Oftentimes we get derailed by living in spiritual darkness, but Jesus not only knows this, but has a way out. And that's the solution that he presents to us in verses 7 and 9. Listen to what he says here. He says, but if we are living in the light, God is in the light, we have fellowship with each other, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. He's saying, live in the light. Live in forgiveness. Bring it into the light so you can be healed from that, so you can be forgiven from that, so you can move forward. That's why John, when he was writing the Gospel of John, says something very similar in chapter 3. He says, God's light came into the world, but people loved the darkness more than the light, for their actions were evil. Many kids are afraid of the dark, including this 34-year-old kid. I don't like the darkness. (laughs) I think we'd agree that most kids are scared of the dark. I wonder if we would agree that most adults are scared of the light. We like to be hiding. We like, even though shame doesn't feel good, it's, it's more protective. We can protect ourselves around that. But bringing it into the light is really scary. And yet John's saying, look, the only way to get out of this is to stop hiding, stop living in shame, stop being fake about it, and bring it into the light of God's grace, bring it into the light of his community. So you can be healed, so you can be forgiven. One of my favorite things about the chapel is the five values that we have. We try to anchor everything we do in those values. And one of those values that we take very seriously, not just in church, but on our pastoral staff and with our elders and with our, with our team is, is to be authentic. We're real people in process. It does not mean, again, I'm not perfect So I'm just going to keep doing this. No, what we're saying is, let's be real about our life. We're all a mess. We're all making mistakes. We're all finding ourselves in patterns of sin. And instead of just getting away with it, let's bring it into the light of God's forgiveness and grace so he can forgive us again and again and again so we can become more like Jesus and less like ourselves in these situations. But what's crazy is, and I've heard it said, and I've believed it is, okay, but this one thing that I can't get over, I can't keep bringing it to God because I've done it 400 times. And yet when I read what John is about to say, there's no limit on how many times we can bring these things into the light. Look what John says. My favorite verse 
and all of 1 John. But if you find yourself in darkness, if you confess your sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. There's no amount of time we can do this and God says, oh, geez, it's you again? Every time. Every time we confess, God forgives. Every time we say, I want to get out of the darkness and bring this into the light of community or to trusted people and especially to God himself, he will forgive you, he will cleanse you, he will get you back on the path. You may fall off again, you go to him, you confess it, you receive his grace, and you keep going. That's what it means to be authentic and be in process. We don't excuse it, we're honest about it. And we walk in the light as best as we can with God and others. That's why the, the true living in the light is not about perfection. It's about confession. Confession is progress. Anytime someone confesses something to me or confesses something to God, what it tells me is their hearts are right. They may not have been right leading up to that, but to get to that point, to recognize it's only God and others that can help them get back into the light, it shows me that they're really taking this seriously. And if you want to live the Christian life well, you don't have to strive to be perfect. Just strive to be a good confessor. Because God welcomes a person who is longing to be in the light, to, to, to receive his grace and to receive his forgiveness. So we're heading this way over the next few weeks in 1 John. And we set it up today, say the goal is to follow Jesus. Oftentimes we don't, but he gives a solution if we come to him. So what I want to do is just end with prayer. But I don't want to just pray. I want you to just take some time. And if, as I'm talking, you find yourself struggling with sin or you're hiding something and you find yourself in that ditch again, ask God to pull you out by confessing those things to him because he will forgive you. So let's just take time to do that individually and then I'll close this in prayer. Lord, I've always thought that it breaks your heart when I sin. While that's true, it breaks your heart even more when we settle to live in the spiritual darkness, when we can come to you, you who have your arms open to us, and we can confess it to you, and you'll heal us and forgive us and bring us back to the path we're supposed to be on. That breaks your heart even more. Lord, shame and guilt are the things that we hate, and yet it's the things that we get used to. Show us that there's a better way forward through confession, which is simply keeping short accounts with you. Confession is not for you, it's for us. Help us to live in that way today, tomorrow, and for the rest of our life with you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You'll be dismissed row by row. Looking forward to seeing you next week.